We're going to wrap this up today, just two parts to this message. And really, it's my attempt to try to explain, um, I said last week, I've never taught on this subject ever. You know, I've been a pastor for 16 years, and I've never ever spoke about this. But it's a key uh, component, really, to the gospel and what we believe. And because Jesus taught it, I think it's important that I, t- I teach it. Um, I'll share with you a little why I felt compelled to kind of go into this this topic. And uh, last week I kind of talked about, you know, I didn't want to be a crazy, look like a crazy person standing up in front saying the end of the world is here and you guys should prepare for the end of the world. That was not my intention and I hopefully I tried really hard to, to not uh, do that. But really it's a series on the end times and talking about what is it going to look when, when everything, all this kind of starts to, to conclude. Because there is, the Bible says there will be a, a time where all of this will, it will change. And this is where God will establish his kingdom. Um, as Christians, we, we call our blessed hope the, the, the second coming of Christ. He's going to come back. He told his disciples. We talked about it last week. So if you missed it, you can go catch up. It's, it's the book of Jude is kind of where I really began to uh, study and look through, saying how can I help us take something from the Bible that would, be a, that would help us today in our, in our day and age. And really the book of Jude, it's right before Revelation, last book in the Bible, and it kind of builds up and leads up to Revelation, which is all about prophecy. In fact, the Bible is 30% prophecy. So a third of our, of our Bible is all to, has a lot to do with things that are going to happen or um, that, that somebody predicts. And a lot of those, a lot of that part of that 30% is really the end times, what's going to happen in the end. And understanding that there's a lot the Bible says about this, it's, a, it's an important topic. We just don't want to go off on a tangent where we get we get off balance and we get stuck on one thing because there's one one extreme of where we freak out and we stockpile and we are afraid of everybody um there's the other extreme of we just don't do anything we don't we're not even aware and there's two two dangers there and so we're saying how can we kind of hit it with some balance where we can help people and be helpful with this message in the book of jude what's great about the book of jude is he's he's the half brother of jesus that we talked about uh his brother james and himself became believers after jesus died and was resurrected so like they didn't believe jesus was the son of god until after and then they realized oh wow our brother really is the son of god like this is interesting. After 30 years of being with this guy, we really didn't believe he was. Now we believe. And they don't just believe. They actually become leaders in the church. And they even give their life uh, to, to keep the gospel moving forward, the message of, of God and Christ moving out. And so they're, they're so committed to it. They give their life and they do that. And so we said James wrote this book, uh, the half-brother Jesus. He wrote a book on good works as evidence of our saving faith. Okay, And then his brother wrote a book about evil works of as evidence of, of, of apostasy. And apostasy is kind of like this falling away. People that have rebelled, that don't believe, there's, there's unbelief tied to it. And the Bible says in the last days, there will be a lot of unbelief. There'll be a lot of people that even fall away from the faith. And, and, the, and the key, that's one of the key ingredients to um, key factors of how we know we're living in the last days. And so I told this story, I, I talked about Jesus and some of the things he talked about. Um, so today we're part two and, and really I want to just challenge you to keep yourself in God. And that's why I say it's kind of directed to Christians because if you're not in God, my challenge is you would get in the family of God and we'll talk about that later on. But if you are in, in the family of God, if you're a Christian man, stay in the family, like, like make decisions to keep, keep moving forward. Uh, in Matthew, these are some of the scriptures we'll just review that he kind of talked about. Uh, Matthew 25 in verse, in, in chapter 24 and 25, Matthew, ta- uh, Jesus talks about, his disciples say, what's going to look like in the end times? And so he goes to two whole chapters to talk about what it's going to look like, what to expect. And so we talked about that last week. And he, at the end of it, he tells a story about uh, five wise people and five foolish people. And he says, be the wise people that are ready. And he ends the story by saying this, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour when I'm going to return. Like be ready because it can happen at any moment. And that was kind of the keep watch um, that we talked about. He said, these are going to be the signs of the end of the age. Many will turn away from the faith. 
Uh, he says, but those who stand firm to the end will be saved. And that's Jesus' point of telling us all this, is saying, hey, even when it gets really dark and when it gets really disturbed, you know, we just experience something as, as, a, as humanity, you know, in France. Um, in Paris, there was that, um, that attack. It's horrible. A lot of people lost their lives. Um, we see these things play out, and there's a part of us that says, man, this is really, this is not good. Like, we, um, what's really sad is we didn't really see it in the media, but there's a lot of these things that happen all around the world in that same exact day. Like, there was other, other suicide bombings. There was other killings that took place. And in the middle of that, if we get fixated on those things, it can become very discouraging, very, we can get very negative. Um, and I think the point of Jesus is saying, hey, it's going to happen. Our, our, our world is slowly going to get darker and darker. And that's just a sign of that it's going to be closer to him to return. And he says, don't, but in that, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Op- actually operate in hope. And that's some of the scriptures we talked about. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And, and part of that message is, hey, there's going to be an end to all these things, but trust me for it. He goes into Timothy. Paul talks to Timothy. He says, you should know these things, Timothy, uh, that in the last days, there will, uh, it will be very difficult times. And Paul encourages Timothy, he says, in the last days, it'll be challenging times. He says, um, but, but this is all about hope. And he, he, we talked about last week, he lists all these characteristics of people, what they'll reflect and look like in the last days. And I asked you the question, could it be possible we're living in the last days just by this list? And so that was last week in Timothy. And then in Thessalonians, Paul talks about when God does return, um, there's going to be some things that happen and take, take place. He says, but don't freak out. It's a message of hope because he says this. He says, um, encourage each other. With these words, so he says, when it happens, don't be don't be fearful, but know that when these things start taking place, that that it's it's a good thing. Like there's hope in this, and this is the point of us really um, going forward with with the message. So it's not a fear-driven message of being afraid and fearful, operating out of fear. In fact, if you do anything out of fear, it's probably a bad choice and a bad decision. Um, if you're stockpiling stuff out of fear because of what could happen, uh, you're going to make unwise choices. But if you do it out of a, out of a peace, out of a sense of, all right, this is preparing, this is, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to have, have plans in place. Those are, those are healthy. That's wisdom. Um, but there's an element where it goes to the fear side, and that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to um, make it about fear. We don't want people to become Christians out of fear. We want them to become Christians out of the choice that they make, and that's what God wants. He wants your heart, uh, not your emotions, all right? Any, any decision made out of emotion will only last until the next emotion is stronger than that. And so you've got to make wise choices. So we're in the book of Jude. And this is kind of today uh, with this message of keep watch. This is part two. I'm going to read a little bit. Um, as, as, as he starts the book off, he says, I was going to write to you about salvation and about all these nice things. But I really feel the Holy Spirit has compelled me to write to you something different. Um, it's kind of like this idea when he says I'm, I'm compelled, I need to switch directions and go different. Imagine with me, you're, you're a student driver. You might, some of you may or may never had this experience. Some of you guys have been with young people that are student drivers, and you know it's kind of scary. Just imagine there's a student driver. Maybe you're the instructor, or maybe you're the driver. And this, the student that's trying to learn how to drive is going up to this stop sign, right? And you know the rolling stop. You know you really don't stop. You kind of just look both ways and keep going. So imagine you're a student driver. Your instructor's talking to you, and you go through this stop sign, and you kind of just roll through, and the teacher freaks out, makes you pull over, and says, I can't believe you just went through that. Like, that was really bad. You know, you shouldn't have done that. And, you know, take some points off of your driving uh, test, whatever, and then you keep moving on. And so she warns, you know, there's, there's warning signs that we have on the roads are kind of warning for us to, to know what's coming, what's ahead, all that. Well, imagine you come up to the, the trains, train tracks, and there's a Amtrak that's flying through the town, right? And as you come up to the train tracks, the, 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 the crossing guards begin to come down. So you hear the, the, the noises, you hear the, see the lights bl- uh, uh, flashing, and you begin to see these things coming down uh, there. And, and the, the instructor knows, but as, as a student, you think, I think I could beat this train, right? So you start pulling forward, trying to maneuver around the, uh, the, the, the crossing guards. What do you think the instructor would be doing? 
they would be screaming at the top of their lungs, right? Like freaking out, like, what are you doing? You're going to kill me. You're going to kill yourself. You're going to kill people on that train. They would be freaking out. Well, here is what Jude is kind of saying. Like, I was going in this direction, and then all of a sudden he's like, but I really need to warn you about this. And it's not just like, hey, watch the stop sign. That's important. It's like there are, there are cross guards coming down. Their lights are blinking. Everything is it, – it's a warning. And this is kind of how we start the book off. It kind of switches like that. It says, all right, this is not just like, hey, pay attention. It's like, hey – Man, I, I'm really compelled to tell you something really important. Don't miss it. And it's almost like he's that instructor saying, don't go through the, the, the you, you, when you see these things happening, man, don't go through. There's sudden death right ahead of you. And that's kind of the heart of what James is saying in this. And so today as we move forward, just have the understanding that, not James, Jude, Jude is telling us, hey, be careful. He says, I was going to talk to you about nice stuff about church, but I really feel compelled. I need to talk to you about this. From, from verse 4 until 16, he talks about all these different people in the Bible that lost faith, the unbelievers, the, the rebellious ones, the, uh, those that were greedy and, and used um, God's gifts for their profit. And, he, he, and for the, for, after he says, all right, I'm going to write to you about the, the last days, I'm going to write to you about what's going to take place, he begins to write about all these rebellious people. And, and we call them apostates, people that have fallen away from the faith, that have angels that fell from heaven. He, that's one of the ones he talks about, their unbelief in God. And so as he writes, it's really of him saying, I have to warn you, like, pay attention. This is really important. And so he, he kind of goes to that. So from, I'm going to read in verse, well, I'll just tell you about it. From 14 to 16, he talks about the ungodly. He talks about unbelief, disobedience. He talks about selfishness. He talks about rebellion. He talks about slanderers. He talks about those who reject authority. Like these are all key um, um, signs that people that operate out of these things are not part of the kingdom. Like they are, they're, they're going the opposite way from God. Those who reject authority, those that are greedy, those that are jealous. He said he, he compares them to clouds that have no rain. Like they're man, they make a lot of noise and it looks really nice, and you know they talk a lot, but there's just no fruit to them. Or they're like trees um, in, in in autumn that just don't produce anything. Like they're fruitless. He goes on to say these people are grumblers or they're murmurers. They're fault finders. The people that are led by their own desires and their own lusts. And he's in, in, as he talks to his list, he's saying there, there's this part of us that has this choice to make. Are we going to continue to follow God or are we going to do our own thing? And he says in the last days, there will be people that just go after their own lusts and own desires. And he compares them to all the people throughout the Bible. And really, as he's, as he's writing about those things, he's taking these different stories throughout Scripture. And he's saying, um, this is what happened to them. This is what's going to happen to a lot of people in, our, in, the, in the last days. As we read Jude, it's really a book to us today. It's a book of, the, of what's going to take place in the last days and to the church. He's, he's writing to, the, to believers and to the church saying, hey, pay attention. Like, hey, those crossing here, they're coming down. There's something that's coming. Pay attention. Don't miss it on what God has for you. He goes on to list all these things. In fact, as I was reading this, one of the stories he talks about is the people of Israel. When God saved them from slavery and rescued them, which is a picture of us as Christians, you know, God died on the cross so we can be freed from, from sin. He rescues them from slavery, and they get in the desert. You know what's one of the first things they start doing? They start complaining, and they start murmuring. And, and it makes God so upset because they, they, they focus on all the negative, and they don't see the positive things that God just did for them. And in fact, because of that, they miss out on a big thing of what God had for them. Like the journey he had for them was going to be easy, but because they grumbled, they complained, the journey became longer, and many of them didn't even make it to the promised land that, they, that God told them they would because they were murmurers and grumblers. And, so, and some of them even died in the middle of that in the early parts of the story. But if you read through the story, I didn't realize how important it is to be positive in life until I began to read this. Like I began to see the stories about people that grumble and murmur and complain. Like that is a bad sign. If, you're, if you are here today and you grumble and complain and murmur, like 
you need to ask God to help you because that is a, that is a, um, a very good indication that you're living outside of what God has for you in life. Because when you live in the faith and you trust God for things, you, you have no other um, outlook on life except an, uh, uh, a positive expectation um, of what God can do every single day. Everybody, it's, it's easy to find the negative in anything. You could, you could look around. You could find negative in this room day. You could find negative in the building. You could find negative as you go to, to lunch. Anybody could pick out the things that aren't, aren't good. God is saying, would you be the people that, that bring out the good, that, that help others to see the good? And that's really our call. And so as, he, as, as Jude addresses these things, he's saying, be careful of those that grumble and murmur, that talk bad about authority. Like they're, they're going to produce seeds that aren't, that aren't healthy and aren't good. So anyways, since I went through this book, I was, I was challenged to begin to think myself um, how, I should, how I should live and operate all the time. I'm a pretty positive person. But when I saw this, I began to realize, oh, wow, I need to encourage people around me not to, to be grumblers and complainers. He goes through all this negative of things of how people act when they're um, not a part of the kingdom of God. And in the beginning, he starts out with hope and affirmation and encouragement. And then he ends the book with hope and affirmation and encouragement. There's only 25 verses in this book. It's a small book. And, and he goes on, but he says, But dear friends, remember, this is verse 17. Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus foretold. They said to you, In the last days there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere, mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit of God. And then he goes on in verse 20. He says, But you, dear friends, Build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Another translation says, you, dear friends, must build up your lives ever more strongly upon the foundation of your holy faith, learning to pray in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying you have to, you have to build yourself up in the faith. Part of that, and he gives us some indications how to do it, building yourself up by praying in, in the Holy Spirit. Uh, when he refers to this, he's talking about a gift that he gave the early church. All right? The Holy Spirit has a lot of gifts that he wants to give give Christians, give people that follow him to help them shine a light, to be an encouragement to those around, around them. In fact, Christians are one of the reasons that it's not getting as dark and as evil as it could be because we actually are, are a, a way of, of pushing back and preserving the good in, in the world. And as long as we're here, we actually hold back judgment is what the Bible says. There's a story in the Old Testament where uh, there's, there's a, a couple cities God's going to destroy because they're wicked and, and, they, and they weren't doing, they were doing the opposite of what God had for them. And, and Abraham, um, they, we would call this person intercessor, somebody who stands in the gap. He says, hey, would you save these cities if there was you know, a few righteous people there? And God says, yes, I'll save them. That's a great dialogue. Well, uh, his family, his nephew Lot was actually in the city. And eventually God is going to destroy the city. He pulls Lot out of it. And the only reason Lot saved was because Abraham actually stood in the gap for his for his family and they pulled him out well what kept judgment from coming down was the fact that there was righteous people um, it's the same picture of us today the fact that god's judgment has not come to earth yet is because there are righteous people called christians who have the spirit of god living and operating in our day and age so wherever you are in in your business and your family like god has you there for a reason and you're actually part of what's holding back god's judgment from from coming to to, to the places that we're in like, God calls us salt and light. Like, we bring the God colors and God flavors out of this earth, and we're here to preserve and help push back the darkness. And you just being a Christian alone makes a big difference. And that's part of why, what we as a church want to continue to do. So um, he goes on to say, pray, pray in the Holy Spirit. The, the, my point was I was trying to get to is gift of the Holy Spirit. One of these gifts is being empowered with the Spirit of God to be able to be a witness to the world. 
Like sometimes it's difficult to be a Christian when our world becomes more and more opposed to Christianity, more and more, more opposed to really our faith and our ideals and our ideas. Like, like there's a point where they will, they, it will actually could possibly even shift where we are now the enemy because of what we believe. We saw this with the Jews and, and the Nazis, right? Like they became the enemy. It was easy to then say they're the bad guys. We should destroy them. Same idea that could, that could shift and take place. So for us to, to make a stand and to contend for the faith, there's a component that God wants to actually give us, and it's his Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. He's there to help you. But there's these other degrees of, of him giving us more gifts, uh, discernment and knowledge, uh, the gift of, of speaking in other languages. It's a prayer language. It's, it's a, a gift that God gives us to be able to build ourselves up in the faith. These things are we invite God to lead us. And that's what he's saying. Like if you're a Christian, you need to be able to operate and, and invite God to lead you on a, on a daily basis where you can be uh, a representative of him to this world. So as Judah's talking to these, these Christians, he's saying you, you need to, to build yourselves up in the foundation of your holy faith, learning to pray in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to says, when you build and you pray, and he says in verse 21, stay always within the boundaries where God's love can reach and bless you. You know, we talked about guardrails last series we were talking about. You know, there's this idea that God is trying to keep us within these boundaries. This is what Judah's saying. Stay within these boundaries of God's love where he can reach you and bless you. Uh, that he can keep you in the faith and he can keep uh, using your life. Like there's, there's these places he doesn't want us to go, so we need to stay within relationship with him. And it's not that God's, God never turns away from us. It's usually us, our hearts turn away from him. He's saying, stay within the boundaries where God's love can re- reach you. Another translation says, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Wait patiently for the eternal life that your Lord Jesus Christ in his mercy is going to give you. So he's saying, build yourself, pray, stay within that relationship, and then wait patiently. So he's saying, as, as, as Christians, for us, in the end days, in the last days, when, when things do get darker and, and we see more of, more of this, not to worry ourselves, not to get freaked out. See, part of this is when he's saying, build yourself in the faith. Last week I asked you a question. I said, what is considered one of the most important scriptures in the Bible? Um, and, and we found that in Genesis 15, 6, this is the answer. One of the foundational scriptures that we find our faith, it says that Abraham, Abram, later changed his name, it changed to Abraham, believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So one of the most, considered one of the most important scriptures in the Bible is this right here where it says, Abraham believed God, and then he had enough his belief was strong enough where he actually acted out in faith. And so because of his faith, he was able to be the, the representative that God wanted and was looking for in this world. God is still looking for Abrahams today to be able to bless so they can be a blessing to others. And it says Abraham believed enough to actually step out in faith. We, we said last week, um, we can all believe in a lot of things, but until we actually begin to step out in that belief, it's not faith. And God wants us to be able to um, have this kind of faith that Abraham had. Where he says, would you go and love that pe- people? Would you go out and step out? We have a mission trip coming, out in, coming up in February. Um, that'd be a, a step of faith for somebody to say, I'm going to go to Mexico and help love on a church over there and help a community come to come know, more people come to Christ. That's a step of faith. So believing in the power of God changes when you actually step out and begin to do something with it. So Abraham, he believed God and he, counted, and it was, he was counted as righteous because of his faith. Today, as Christians, the only reason I can call myself a Christian, I can stand before you, is because I had enough faith to believe that the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross was enough to pay my, my payment and my punishment for my sin. It's an act of faith and a belief that I say, okay, I'm going to trust you, God, for that, and then now I'm going to be able to live on a daily basis for your kingdom and for your glory. 
My belief has to go into action or it's really not faith. One, one of the reasons I actually became a pastor is because when I was a young kid, I was 11 years old, there was a kid's pastor who taught stories out of the Bible that came alive to me. And it was so um, amazing that all of a sudden the Bible, became, it be, you know, the Bible calls itself, it's a living, a living book. Like it's not just a book, it's a book of all these books, but it's alive. And if you've ever read through the Bible multiple times, you actually see this. Like there'll be times you read a story and you've read it before, but this time it's like, oh, wow, that's a really, like I understand that today. Like this means something for me in my, my season. It's because it's alive. The Bible calls itself, it's alive, it's, it's practical. And, and as we build ourselves in the faith, part of that is understanding the Bible. As, as I've gone through this series and I've kind of um, applied myself to learn more about the book of Jude and about the end times, I'm, I'm challenged to learn more. I actually have enjoyed the process because I'm learning things, some that I've learned a long time ago, other things I'm like, this is brand new to me. This is awesome. And Isaiah, God talks to the prophet Isaiah and says, um, I'm going to give you my word, and it's going to be precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. It's kind of like he diffuses the truth throughout, throughout the centuries and says, um, I'm going I'm to give you these truths that are all going to tie together if you'll pay attention. And that's what the Bible is. 66 books, 40-some authors all writing uh, the story of God over a span of thousands of years. It's an amazing thing. And all of these stories, they point to each other. And they, they confirm each other and they help each other out on this, on this journey. And as you get into the Bible, you begin to realize, like, wow, this is pretty awesome. Like, God, all these details that he put in place for us to discover and help us to know that he is God. So reading the Bible, it's important. It's part of how you build up your faith. It's part of you becoming stronger. And when you come to church, man, we, we want to give you an idea to take with you during that week. If you just learn it and you don't apply it, you have more knowledge, but you may, didn't really help yourself a whole lot. When you come to church, the idea is you, you take it and you begin to live out what it is that God has given you that day. I know when I come to church with the attitude of I'm going to learn something, I'm going to be challenged to, to find something, I walk out knowing what I'm supposed to do. And then the challenge is now can I do it and that day, the next day? Because if you don't do something once you learn within the first two days, you never likely never will. Like you'll lose it. You'll forget about even what you learn. You need to apply things and, and Jude is saying, all right, as, as we get into times where it's going to be difficult to be a Christian, make sure you grow yourself in the faith. Build yourself up. Um, let it Be like Abraham. Walk in the faith. Step out and do those things. Here's, here's the principle that I want you to know as, as we as Christians, as Jude talks to Christians, okay, and I'm talking to Christians today. If, if God is calling you to do something, you cannot do anything that you don't have. Like you can't give to others what you don't possess. You can't give to others what you don't have yourself. Somebody came to you and said, hey, can I borrow $100? Well, if you don't have $100, you can't lend them or give them $100 because you don't have it. Well, the same is true for us in, 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 our, in our culture and our society. If we as Christians don't have peace, we can't give peace. In the middle of, of this devastation of Paris and these attacks, there's, there's people have questions. You know, as things go on and we see more and more, it's going to happen. The Bible says it's going to happen. Now, we can see it. We can could, we could forecast it very clearly by saying over and over, we, we, we know how it's going to play out. But us as Christians, if we don't have peace, we can't give peace. If we don't have joy in what we're living, we can't pass it on. So if, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I would tell, I challenge you to say become a Christian. It's amazing. You have all of a sudden now at your disposal the, the God that made everything to help you. You know, in, in the Old Testament, when, when somebody breaks the rules and the law, there was these strong punishments that would come with them, even sometimes death. Like there were certain um, laws, if you broke, you were supposed to get killed. And then the New Testament, it's kind of like you're like, man, there's like two different, two different books almost. Like the Old Testament seems so strict and, you know, you got killed for these things. And the New Testament is like, there's grace now. Well, it is. We're operating in the grace. But here's the difference. In the Old Testament, they didn't have the Spirit of God available to them like we do. 
When Jesus died on the cross, he gave us the Holy Spirit who can bring comfort, who can bring conviction, who can bring help and empowerment. Well, they didn't have that. So that once they, once they got set on a track of destruction, they actually couldn't get off it. There was no way to do that. And so God was saying, this is the way that you, you add so it doesn't spread. You have to kill it where it's at. That was kind of the principle. And as harsh as it seems, it's because they didn't have what we have today, the Holy Spirit. So when I talk about, you know, as, as a Christian, you, you, when you become a Christian, you get the Holy Spirit. He's there to help us. Um, but there's more of that. You don't have to stop at just that prayer saying, God, I accepted my life and he, he's there to, to help. If that's important. I'm glad we have that. But there's more of it. There's more of it. In fact, this is my challenge for us today is um, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian and you've never maybe sought God for more, you come to church, you've prayed, but that's kind of where you stayed, um, I want to challenge you and say, would you ask God for the more that he has? Because he has more. As a church, we, we believe that uh, God's gifts, all the gifts are available to us today. One of those gifts that he talked about is praying in the Holy Spirit. We, we, call it, we call it baptism in the Holy Spirit, you know, baptism in the water. Well, there's, there's a baptism where we're actually baptized in the Holy Spirit. We receive gifts of empowerment. In, in the book of Acts, Jesus said, I'm going I'm to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit, after I go away. And he says, go and pray and seek me and, and receive the gift when it's time. And so the disciples go and they begin to, to, to pray and seek God. And it says Jesus' mother was there. Mary was in the room. Um, uh, the disciples, a lot of disciples were in the room. And all of a sudden on the day of Pentecost, it said that the room shook and they were filled with this gift of speaking in other languages. We call them speaking in tongues. And all of the disciples in that room were filled with this gift and they began to do it. And the, the point of the gift, Jesus says, is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you power to be my witnesses in all the world. Like, I'm going to give you this gift that's going to help you be able to proclaim the good news to everybody around you. He said, would you receive it when it's time? That same empowerment is available for us today. And that's what Jude is saying. If you're going to make it through the difficult times, you have to be people that say, God, I want everything that you have for me. And don't let some weird teaching or weird um, practice that maybe you've seen before take you off course or, or, or discredit it. It's, it's a gift. In fact, I would recommend a book to you. If you're interested in learning more about Baptist Holy Spirit, there's a book that's written. It's called The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. Great book. And what I love about it is he was actually a pastor, went to Bible school, and his, his pastor told him, stay away from people that talk about the Holy Spirit, which is kind of crazy in itself because Holy Spirit is like this big part of the Bible. He's there to help. But he said, just stay away from those people. And eventually he got to this place of ministry where he says, man, I'm just missing something. Like there's more and it's his journey of him actually discovering what people told him was actually not of God, finding out, wow, this is like a key component to really help us. That's a great book. The, the book we pass out, 10 Steps, in, in one of the chapters, he talks about baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've never read it, read it. He'll, he'll encourage you in that. What I love about um, the book that we give, um, I forget his name right now, Jimmy Evans, um, he, he didn't become a Christian until he was in his early 20s. And so when he writes, he's writing to people that don't have any idea about what it means to follow Christ. And he's trying to write that and break it down and saying, hey, this is what it looked like for me when I first learned. I had a lot of learning to do. And he kind of takes us on this journey. Well, one of those chapters is about baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll start there. There are ways to encourage you. Um, but we as a church, we believe that all the gifts are available to us today. And they're to build up the church. In fact, in, in, in Ephesians, Paul says when you pray in, in the Holy Spirit, you actually edify and build up yourself. He says when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're actually talking to, directly to God, not to men. It's a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual language, not an earthly language. And he says there's, there's power in that. There's, there's, there's a grace that comes with that. And then there's, there's, there's different things with the gifts where how it operates as a gift and it operates as a grace. Um, and so he wants us to, to do that. And Paul actually says, I wish all of you would speak in these languages and, and speak in tongues. Like it will be your benefit. But if you had to choose, man, 
prophesy, help people know the truth. Like speak intelligible words that people can understand. That, that's important in a church setting, in a service. But he said he encouraged us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So my, my challenge for you is, um, as it comes to this message, and when it comes to end times, and Jesus is saying the days will get darker, and it will get harder, and it will be difficult to be a Christian. If you're going to stand firm and make it, my, I'm going to say you need as much help as possible. Why not invite God and the Holy Spirit to say, help me, fill me. So that when, when Jesus told the disciples you're going to receive this gift, they had no idea what it was going to look like. Part of the challenge for us is we've seen you know, people that, that maybe speak in tongues or people that are spirit-filled. Sometimes they can be crazy and they maybe abuse the gifts. And that could turn us off because we think, well, if that's what it is, I don't want that. The disciples didn't have that in their mind. It was kind of like, what is this? And, I, and we're going to wait for you. And they, they received it. So on your journey, um, your, your story might not be exactly like anybody else's. But if you seek God for it, I promise he will give you what you need on the days that you need it. He'll fill you. Man, the gifts of knowledge and understanding, he, he wants to give you those gifts where you can speak into situations that are going to help people be free from, from things in their life, the gift of healing. He wants to give people the, the ability to pray for others that are sick and they are healed. Why? Because the power of God demonstrated through his people to the world of saying, I want this. So all the things God, Jesus did, he says, we can do those same things. Pray for the sick and they'll become better. My challenge, would you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Would you invite God to lead you on this journey? You want to be a better parent? Man, it's one of those things. You say, God, fill me. Help me have knowledge. Help me understand. Help me have wisdom. Ask for more of God. Don't get content. Don't get, don't get stop on just what you have. Or you miss out on a lot of what God has. And here's the thing about this message. It's, it's not a fear-driven message of saying, be afraid, be fearful. But rather, this is a message of hope that we can give to others. When people ask me about you know, uh, my life, there's, there's a, a place where I, I'm so at, at peace with whatever comes that I'm okay with it. Because I trust God that he has it all under control. Like whatever happens tomorrow in the stock market, whatever happens on this other side of the world, I'm at peace. I'm okay because I can't control it anyways. And I put my trust and my faith in God and say, I'm going to trust you for these things. Paul, in, in one of the stories, he's in, the, he's in prison. The Apostle Paul, he's in prison. He's been beaten. He's going to go before the, um, the, before the Roman courts. And his life can be taken away from him, be sentenced to death. And in it, he says, all right, so I'm at this point. It's a crucial point. I could, I could die. Like tomorrow, it's, it's going to be over. They could take my life for being a Christian. And he says, but I'm okay with it. Because if I die today, then I'm in heaven and it's good. But if I stay and I take on more beatings or whatever happens, I'm, I'm okay with that too. Because I can continue to preach the gospel. He got to a point in his life where his belief and his faith, they met up. And he says, whatever happens, happens. And I'm okay with that. I'm good with it. Can I tell you, there's, it's, there, it's so good to be at that place where you don't worry about what could happen. Yeah, you plan, you the wisdom is to plan and to prepare as if, if, as if another hundred years is going to go by. But he's saying, be ready at any moment. Yeah, plan and prepare for a hundred years, but live in such a way that if he did come back, you're ready to go. Live in such a way that if you were called to heaven, you're ready to go. In my life, I got to a place where I said, you know what, I'm okay. God, I trust you from the future. And if, if I got in a car accident today, I'm okay. I trust God with my family. He's going to do better than, with them than I could do with them. You have to get to a place where you just say, God, I'm going to trust you for whatever comes. That's the kind of faith that Abraham had. The Bible is, applauds and says this is what we need to have. That we step out and say, God, we're going to follow your ways and we're going to trust you through it. Can you imagine what our culture in Santa Fe would become if more Christians would live with the hope that we have and live with the peace that God gives us? 
Like in the middle of it, yeah, these things are happening in France, our hearts break. But in the middle of it, we can say God's still in control. He didn't plan that. He didn't want that to happen. That's the enemy's strategy to kill and still and destroy. He wants to give life. How can we give life in this? How can we give hope in the middle of all this? And God is saying, would you be those people that shine bright in the city of Santa Fe? Would you be those people that shine bright in your family and in your workplace so that more people can know God? And Judas saying, no matter how hard it gets, man, keep, keep on track. Man, pray. Seek God. Build up your faith. The way you build your faith is you step out in faith. And every time you do it, you get more and more. Peter, uh, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he went from being afraid to talk to a teenage girl about God to standing in front of a, a group of thousands of people saying, hey, you, let me tell you what happened to Jesus. Why? Because he was empowered to do more than he was capable of by himself. And God wants to give us those things to be able to say, I want to help you on this journey. Would you let me help you? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peace, hope, love. Would you be a carrier of these things to the people around you? So that no matter what happens, they can look and say, man, why are you okay with all this? Like, why aren't you freaking out? Because I know this is my home. This is just a step and a stage. It's not the rest of the story. In some cases, it's only the beginning of the story. And God invites us. So for this whole message, I've kind of spoke mainly directly to Christians. Uh, if you're a Christian, Judas saying, stay in the faith, stand firm, build yourself up, grow, learn. In the Bible, I would say, read those. If you're not a Christian, can I tell you something? There's not, there, it's not a mistake that you're here today. If you don't believe in God, like he brought you here because he's drawing and asking you to believe in him. That's what I believe. Like It's not an accident. And I would pray and I would hope that as, as I'm talking about this, mainly to Christians, that something in you would say, man, I want that. Like, I want to be okay with whatever comes next. Like, I want to be okay with whatever happens in our world. And God wants us to give us give him his, our worry. He wants us to trust him with our future. He wants us to trust him with whatever's going on. In fact, there's a point where Jesus says, hey, if, if you're carrying stuff and you're way down and there's all this pressure, would you, would you let that go and give it to me? And I'll give you something that's light and easy to carry. And he invites us to have this exchange. And we say, God, I'm going to let go of all my my baggage, all my stuff, and I'm going to trust you for it. If you're here today and you fall in that category of you're not a believer, God is inviting you to trust him for your future, for tomorrow, but for eternity also. Do me a favor. If you're all, would you all close your eyes and bow your heads today? As I, as I spoke today and, and you're, you're here, I know you're here, um, speaking to you right now, you, you know in your heart that you need more of God, that you need you need to have faith and, and step out in that faith to say, God, I'm going to follow you. I would love to lead you in a prayer that just says, God, I invite you to my life. Help me. If you're here today, you're not a Christian, and you say, today I want to become a Christian, would you just raise your hand? I won't make you walk down to the front. Just lead you in a prayer in your seat. Is there anybody here that would say, you know, I want to commit my life to Christ? Awesome. God wants to give you that peace and that hope I'm talking about. And today, as you begin to invite him to lead you, he'll do that. Anybody else? If your hands went up. Come on, I'll lead you in that prayer. If you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Father God, today I invite you into my life. Help me to serve you and to follow you. You're a good God. You have good plans for me. Forgive me of my sin, of my choices, 
that have pushed you away. Today, I invite you into my life. Give me a new start. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you're alive today. I confess you as Lord over my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.